Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And a better hope is introduced. Here's the whole key to the passage, by which we draw near to God. Where am I going to get my help? Where am I going to get my forgiveness? Where am I going to get my hope? Where am I going to get my encouragement? Now I'm going to get it from you, but I really want it from someone that's perfect, who knows what my tomorrow looks like, don't you? My hope is in God. If you ever do a comparison of other religions to Christianity, one of the things you'll notice is that you can't ever quite get close to God. There's always just a little bit of distance between their God and you. Or if they promise that you'll become God, it's usually about being absorbed into some kind of impersonal Godship. But in Pastor Mark's teaching today, you'll learn that becoming a Christ follower allows you to have personal access to God himself face-to-face. That's something that no other belief system offers. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 7 as he continues his message, The Need for a New Priesthood. Look at verse 4. Just think how great he was. So here the writer is saying, I'm leading you to something. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus is better. Even the patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of the plunder. So the first reason we know that we would say that Melchizedek was greater than the Old Testament priests, or even Abraham, was Abraham recognized that Melchizedek was greater. And he did that not just by just saying that he was, but he gave him a tenth of everything he had. In the ancient world, paying ties to someone, a tenth, was recognition of another person's superiority. It was a sign of submission. Abraham did that, proving that Melchizedek was greater in role than Abraham. Now, A lot of people want to take this passage and just preach tithes out of it. And that's okay. It is a principle. It's way before the law. But I don't think you have to even go there. When Jesus was speaking to the spiritual leaders of Israel, he said, well, you you take the cumin and you take this and the little mint leaves and you tie that, but you forget mercy and righteousness and love. You forget the big things. You should do the big things, but don't forget the little things. So tithing is rooted in the Old Testament, and I believe it definitely is carried over to the New Testament. And this is just a side issue. Think about this. 
Remember, if a person paid tithes to an individual in the Old Testament, here, the history, it meant you're submitted to them. I think this is a beautiful picture of what tithes is supposed to be about. Paying tithes to God today acknowledges that God is greater, and I just willingly submit to Him. See, everyone, and you might be in this room or email me, and that's okay if you have a different take on it. That's all right. You just respond to God in love and how you feel. But don't argue. Don't write me, email me four pages of stuff while you don't need to tithe, and then you never give a dime to God or whatever. That's crazy. God owns everything. We already saw that he's the source of everything in our life. So I ought to be willing. And we've told you that before. If you give because you have to, quit giving. It's a waste of your time and God doesn't need your money. But if you give because you want to give and you submit to him and God's greater, he'll bless the socks off you. Amen? Good. Now, verse 5. Now the law requires that the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descendants from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abram. So the Levites, they would receive tithes from Israel. Why? Because God said, tithe. We went through that. Abraham didn't have a command from God. He voluntarily, there was no command from God. He voluntarily gave tithes to Melchizedek. So this makes Abraham's giving to Melchizedek greater than the Israel payment of tithes to the priesthood that was instituted by Moses. So what does that show us? It shows us that Melchizedek is in a greater position and authority over Abraham and eventually his descendants, Levi. So we're already seeing this individual was greater. Well, there's another reason. Look at verse 6. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, here's something that is hard for us to understand. Without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. Even though Abraham was the founder of the Jewish race, God graced, and the unique recipient of the promises of God, he said, I will receive the blessing from Melchizedek. What does that mean? Well, the Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Now, here's a point you want to write. The lesser is always blessed by the greater in role, not personal worth. Doesn't mean that Melchizedek was worth more, but the role that he was playing was worth more. Let me give you an example. You go over to England and you go to meet the Queen of England and you say, I'm Mark Balmer. I'd like to have an audience with the Queen. And they go, okay. And you go in and just you and the Queen there. And you want to say to the Queen, I want to bless you. Would that make sense? No, who's the greater in that role? She's the greater. She's going to bless what? Me. Now, she's not worth more than me, but she's the queen. She's going to bless me. So notice, the greater always blesses the lesser. And so this was just the principle. Again, showing that Melchizedek was greater. Abraham paid tithes to him. Abraham said, please bless me. You're greater. It wasn't the other way around. Now, this would be difficult 
for the Jews to understand. They don't understand Melchizedek. But remember, Peter had this great problem. He had trouble understanding how God could save the Gentiles. Remember, God had to send him that thing three times to get it through his mind, and they still had trouble. But he, he was shocked that God would do it. So Abraham was a national hero. How in the world would Abraham acknowledge a non-Jewish priest as superior? It was against everything they'd ever been taught. But see, God's ways are not our ways. So we have to be teachable. And this is what Paul's doing. Paul, a brilliant Jewish scholar, could understand the struggle they were going through. Look at verse 8. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him was declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. So, first of all, Levitical priests had to be in that line, and they could only serve in an office no more than 30 years. When 30 years were done, they were finished. So, the writer says the death of Melchizedek is not recorded, so his priesthood could kind of be extended forever. In contrast to the Levites, who did die, or stop after 30 years, and then, of course, that was passed on to their sons, because they had a lineage, and they could pass it on. So, this is how Melchizedek began to resemble Christ, someone who lives and serves forever. Jesus filled this in the person and the power. Having died on the cross and risen again, Jesus is eternal. He always lived. So having established historically this foundation of superiority of Melchizedek over Aaron, now we're going to get in a little bit of doctrine. Actually, in verses 11 through 19, you're going to see that Aaron is going to be replaced by Melchizedek. This is also going to be a struggle for the Jews. If if Aaron is going to be replaced, then what do you do with the law that says everybody has to be a Levite? All priests have to wear Levite jeans. What are you going to do with that? Well, if you're going to get rid of Aaron and God's going to establish something new, you're going to see two things. There's going to be a new order, and there's going to be a new covenant versus the old covenant, and there's going to be a new priest, one that's going to live forever. So there's going to be lots of changes, and that's what we're going to see. Now look at verse 11. If perfection could have been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. In other words, if the Levitical priesthood, well, Aaron, if it could have made man perfect, if it would have worked, why would you replace it? Well, we know that it never worked. It was temporary. It could never provide perfect standing before God. So the very fact that there's a new priesthood coming was promised by God that the old one didn't work. We'll talk about that in a moment. Look at verse 12. For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. Remember what I just said? If the law said everybody had to come from Aaron, related from Aaron, and had to be in the tribe of Levi. Well, if God's going to change that, of course, he's God. He can change whatever he wants. That means that law, something's going to have to be done with that law. 
God will have to establish a new way of doing it. And that's what he does with the new covenant, as we talked about. Verse 13, he of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended, here's good stuff for you, from Judah. Jesus wore Judah jeans. He didn't wear Levi jeans. You'll laugh, but that'll help you remember. See, no one from the tribe of Judah could serve as priest. But God is introducing one who is from that tribe. Notice again, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. In regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So as if Paul already is thinking, I had to work through this, Paul says. Let me make sure I can present it to the people so they can see the logic and the reasoning that's happened. In other words, since God is going to establish a new order, he's going to do it because he's proven that the old order with Aaron was weak, ineffective, and the law is going to have to be set aside. We'll read on. Now, remember that the Jewish converts are struggling, and they're looking for some reason to stay with Jesus. This is the whole deal. Jesus is going to belong to a new order, the order of Melchizedek, which is better than what they came from. So, another thing for you to write is simply this, Jesus better, Jesus is greater than the law. Now, that's almost blasphemy to a Jewish person. But, you're going to see in a moment, the law made nothing perfect, never could. Look at verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, obviously the other priest spoken about is Jesus, One who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, in other words, where his genealogy is, his genes, but on the basis, on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. In other words, one who will live forever. For it is declared, and here we go back to the psalm that we read earlier, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever, everlasting life. What human meant that? No human ever meant that. Only Jesus Christ meant it. So Jesus was better because he's the only one in that everlasting line. So he's not only better, as you just wrote, because he's greater than the law. But notice he is better because it's an eternal and unchanging priesthood. In other words, there will never be a change. It doesn't end after 30 years. It's forever absolutely superior to the Aaronic priesthood because Jesus is eternal. Now, think about that when you think where we are. The same high priest, if you want to call him that, who sits at the right hand of the Father was sitting at the right hand of the Father when Paul wrote this. That was the priest that he was talking about. That was the order of Melchizedek he was talking about. So what Paul says, there's another priest Now, in effect, this priest is perfect. It's not like the priesthood of Aaron, and it's forever. Remember one thing. Under the law, if you and I had sin, we had to constantly offer animal sacrifices. You know, it'd be good. I've thought of this a number of times. Not that we would actually do it, but if we could even have animals that were made of paper mache or whatever, 
And we'd all come to a service before we took communion sometime. And all just have our little animal and bring them to the altar. Really small. Just load the altar. And realize what it was like in the old days. To have every one of those animals die. And you have to do that constantly. You see, the wages of sin is death. So these people are used to that. And under the law, the animal sacrifices had to constantly be repeated. The sacrifice was only good temporarily. The law could never be made right. Because it was not given to make man right. It was given to show man he couldn't be right without God. Well, when Jesus went to the cross, that ended everything. Do you remember Matthew 27? Verse 15, when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. At that moment, a new priesthood was instituted. The old Levitical priesthood was eliminated. Christ became the new high priest. Forgiveness was now total and complete. Before that, the word I started with, access to God. When that veil was torn from top to bottom, it signified there was a new way of access. Now, every single person who wanted a relationship with God could approach God. Access was 24-7, unlimited, into the throne of grace. Now, only the Jew could really understand how much better that was. See, we've never operated onto it. We don't know. One of the things you do, if you get a chance, you take a mission trip to somewhere like Haiti or Africa or India with us, and you see how people live, you'll be changed. Because you have a different perspective how things are. We can't imagine... What was going through the minds of these people when they, what do you mean? We, the veil store, we have complete access constantly, perfect access to God? Yes. So what does that mean? Well, here's what Paul's trying to say better. Only Jesus ever perfectly fulfilled the law and thus became a high priest forever. No change. Nothing's ever going to happen. The veil was torn. Limited access to God, finished. Anyone now could go right to God. So the bottom line, the priesthood of Jesus through Melchizedek is definitely better than the old priesthood through Aaron and the Levites. Now look at verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. Well, what is the former regulation? It's the law. It was weak and it was useless. What do you mean it was weak and useless? Well, just what it says. It was never given to make man right with God. Look at verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Think about this. The main reason people think they're going to heaven today that don't have a religious background Here's what they say, because I can be good enough. The law, by its very nature, says that's impossible. You can never be good enough. 
You could never please God because you could never keep the law. No one could keep the law. Impossible to keep the law. And if you tried to even keep it externally, you would certainly blow it from your heart. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They did all these things externally, but their heart was far from God. So notice what it says. I think this is powerful for us. I know there's a lot of meat here tonight. It's not something that you just kind of glance over. But I've tried to bring you back to sit as this little church as their background. And they're trying to think what Paul's trying to say. Why is Jesus better? Why shouldn't we go back? Well, here's why. Look at verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Ah, and a better hope is introduced. Here's the whole key to the passage. By which we draw near to God. Where am I going to get my help? Where am I going to get my forgiveness? Where am I going to get my hope? Where am I going to get my encouragement? Now I'm going to get it from you, but I really want it from someone that's perfect, who knows what my tomorrow looks like. Don't you? My hope is in God. Now there was nothing really wrong with the law of Moses or the Levitical priesthood because it was never ever intended to save, but simply to point out sin that we could not keep it. The weakness was never in the law. The weakness was not in the priesthood, but the weakness was in man, you and me. So both the law and Moses and the Levitical priesthood were created by God to be what? Time dated, temporary. They would expire, but there was a better hope available and that would allow me to access God immediately whenever I need him 24-7. Now, if I have sin, I ask him to forgive me and then I approach God. God wants my heart to be right before him. So here's another better. Better. Hope of complete forgiveness is found in Jesus. He's the perfect sacrifice. And when I go to God and I'm truly sorry, he forgives my sins, all of them, from the beginning to the end, as far as the east is from the west, to remember them no more. So there is now, as Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no more condemnation. So if you were here today, throughout the day, and you felt condemned, not convicted. Convicted is where God speaks to us, and he gives a specific sin, and we repent of it. Condemnation is this. You haven't done enough. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't done this. People like to do that a lot. Well, there is no condemnation. It's specific if it's conviction from the Lord. So bottom line, this is what we gave you at the beginning. Jesus is a better sacrifice and a better high priest. Now, Melchizedek was the king of righteousness and the king of peace, but he was just a type of Jesus. There's only one person that can give us peace and make us right with God, and that's Jesus Christ. Only one. Pastor Mark taught today how the Jewish people were historically in a bad situation. Every day they sinned, and every day they had to make sacrifices of some sort through the priests. The problem was that the priests died, and the sacrifices never wiped the sins away. They only covered them. You learned how the Jews ultimately needed both a perfect sacrifice and a perfect priest. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This winds up Pastor Mark's teaching, The Need for a New Priesthood. Next time, he'll begin a new message called Jesus, Our High Priest. Pastor Mark will carry the new teaching from Hebrews on how Jesus can be a priest in the same category as Melchizedek. You'll find out more about why this category of priest is better than the one set up by God through Moses. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.